0: Can you believe it, Hannah? We're actually recording before 10.30 p.m. This is monumental. It is. I don't know the last time we recorded where it wasn't, like, already midnight. The James Bond was kind of early, and maybe that's why it was so slow (laughs) and boring. We apologize for that (laughs) episode. (laughs) Yeah, we're sorry. We, uh, We went out of town and we just needed something and clearly we don't have a passion for James Bond or the drive to make it interesting and we knew it was bad when we were recording it but at that point it's like we just gotta put something out I mean it was too late by the time I listened to it to edit it it was already like Tuesday I fell asleep editing it (laughs) on Tuesday night, so if anyone noticed that the episode went out, like, an hour later than it normally did, it's because I fell asleep and woke up at about 6 and was like, oh shit, I have to record, I have to finish this so I can post it, because it's supposed to go up at 6. Whoopsie. I feel like, I don't know, at least for me, my energy's better, like, the later at night it gets. I agree. You know, I'm more of a night person, so when it hits, like... Nine or ten p.m. That's when I start to get energy. Yes, and I'm like, I'm in. Right. So I feel like the later ones work out better, especially when we're interested in what we're talking about, because I just have more energy in general. So that's the first episode where, like, recording, I was like, mm. I just like wasn't feeling it, you know? Yeah, I knew as we were talking that it was not going to be that compelling. Yeah. Because I wasn't even interested in what I was talking about. (laughs) So that's how I knew. (laughs) Yeah. That's gonna happen. When we live and we learn. You live and let die. (laughs) Let's pretend that didn't happen. So I don't remember where, where this intro started, but... Oh yeah, and we're gonna be taking a break next week. Oh yes. That's what I wanted to get to. Even though this is the intro, we normally don't talk about the podcast in our intros we have learned from our mistakes. We're going to be out of town again next weekend. And so we will be taking a break week. We will not be posting an episode. We'll also post about it on like Instagram and, and Twitter in case you didn't listen to this specific episode. And then you're like, what, what the fuck? <laughs> Where is it? To our, our very few weekly listeners. <laughs> to the ones who rely on it to get them through their day, we apologize. But we will come back the next week stronger than ever. Exactly, feeling refreshed and good. Feeling absolutely refreshed because we haven't taken a, a break since we started record, like since we started the podcast. It's a lot more time consuming and effort than I think both of us thought it would be. Right, because I think when you're, you know, when you listen to them, you're like, oh, you know, how hard can it be? Just hit record and you know go with it. But and then we recorded our first batch of Pixar, and we talked for, what, four hours? What do we do? <laughs> yeah. What do we do with this? We we've definitely learned about the rambling. I mean, we have a... At, at some point, we might release an unfinished episodes. Yes. Because we just can't quite figure out what to do with them, because there's, there's a lot of stuff. Well, sure, let's talk about it. So, Hannah and I last summer went through and watched Avatar The Last Airbender I had you know had seen the show many times as it is a a wonderful show would highly recommend if you've never seen it Hannah was seeing it for the first time all the way through because Mm -hmm. she had seen episodes and seen things but she didn't remember sorry for that brief intermission I got uh, Mish Mish was he was upset because I wasn't paying attention to him right the cat that I live with now (laughs) So what I was saying is, so we went through and watched all of Avatar and then Cora came out on Netflix and I, this is around the time that we were starting to do our podcast. So we were like, hey, we should review Cora, and just rank the seasons. So we have like, what, like four hours of recorded content, maybe more, maybe like five. So initially that was going to come out right after Pixar because we recorded that consecutively at the same time Mm -hmm. but then when we were editing it it just became we just didn't know if people would want to hear that that much like five weeks or four weeks of cora so we we've just kind of put it aside for now yeah if we wanted maybe where we have if we want to take a little break take a couple weeks off maybe like in the summer fall maybe just releasing them then as you know bonus episodes or just during a week if anyone's interested i mean if you guys want to hear it you can let us know but yeah all right well uh that's some shop talk for you some background about what goes on and how we have been hiding episodes from you for months almost a year yeah yeah all right we should just end all right yes welcome this is research rank repeat and this is hannah this is Alyssa.
1: we're here here.
0: (laughs) oh (laughs) we both got so excited we talked at the same time this is hard for us it's only the second episode or maybe third third that we've done over recording and not together so sometimes it's a little hard to be able to determine when we're both going to speak at the same time so it's a little, little hard to do that, but we're both very excited because we finally have a second episode, a follow-up to a previous one we've done in the past. Part two. Part two. So a couple, probably a month or two back, we released our first of our pilot TV show episode watches, which is something we plan on doing, you know, every couple months, Um, We did ABC Family, and obviously there's a lot of ABC Family shows. We had only watched 12 of them, so we decided we'll do a part two, we'll watch another 12 shows, and rank them. We released the episode almost three months ago. Okay. It was released on March 3rd. Okay. And I I don't know, I, I really enjoyed, I guess, watching them, just because it was such a wide range of shows, and obviously some of them we've seen, some of them we haven't. I honestly had a lot of fun just um, writing summaries. That mm-hmm. was really fun because that was the first time we had done that. I think. Yep. It also Correct. was just interesting to just judge a show only based on the pilot. You know. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like this batch is a bit different than our first batch, mm-hmm. B- for both but <laughs> both good and bad reasons. I was just about to bring that up because in a way, I think as a collective, these pilots were a little bit stronger to me than the first batch. I would agree. There also was only one show that was a 30-minute pilot. Every other Mm -hmm. one was an hour-long show. And I haven't seen a lot of these shows. I had seen a couple. There were some that I'd seen a couple episodes of. But a lot of these shows were newer for me. So that was interesting. Yeah, there were a lot of these shows that I hadn't, I didn't really even know anything about the show, or I honestly Mm -hmm. had no idea. Some of them I, you know, had seen little bits of, had seen ads for, or I had seen a couple episodes of, but um, it was really interesting to go into it. Also, a lot of these shows were very, um, like, female focused, Mm -hmm. where the main characters were women. And we didn't even purposely do that. No but i did notice that i was getting that a lot of the shows majority of the shows the main character was like a female driven lead or, which or is interesting multiple. yeah yeah i mean obviously some of these shows were problematic oh yes we can get into that we like will. you know it's it's abc family it was 2000 2010s so like it was going to happen. So it's interesting because there are some things that are really problematic and then there are other things that are, like, really progressive. Yeah. Which, so there's, like, a weird balance of, of things going on. It's definitely interesting. Um, I think we should get into it. We don't have any specific background on ABC Family because we already did it in the first part. Right. We don't have anything to bring up. If you would like to get a refresher, you can refer back to our ABC Family episode where we go into a little background on the company itself. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let's just jump into it and start with whatever you have first on your list. So I watched Greek first. Okay. Um, The reason being is because this is a show that I've seen maybe the first season of, I think. So I remember, I definitely remember the ads for this show Mm -hmm. a lot. They were always on um, probably when we were watching Sabrina the Teenage Witch is usually what we watched on ABC Family at that age True. in 2007. But we did watch episodes here and there. I don't remember, like, serially watching the show, like, episode to episode order, but I do remember getting, like, episodes, sketching one off and on throughout the couple of years that it was on. Mm-hmm. So I, I did know some things about it right going into it. Um, I think you have the background on this one, right? I do. Okay. So, Greek was released in 2007. And it ran for four seasons from 2007 to 2011. It is composed of six chapters throughout the four seasons. Like, the storyline is done in chapters, which I thought was interesting. Okay. So, it's based on... A fictional college Greek life system in Ohio. Great state of Ohio. (laughs) We love Ohio. We love Ohio. And so the first season was halted because of the writing strike. The writer's strike in 2007. So it returned in 2008. And with the return, it had a triple digit increase in rating when it re-premiered in 2008. And the fourth season was reportedly planned as the last season, so it wasn't canceled. It was given, like, a final go. The show is said to represent, like, parts of, like, stereotypical Greek life, but it mm-hmm. also shows more of the, the non, you know, like, day-to-day life sort of aspects. It also was praised for its portrayal of a uh, one of the characters who is a gay fraternity brother and it's all it's you know showing the struggles of coming out in that environment mm-hmm. and it was praised by like glad and a couple of organizations for the way they went about that it was seen as very progressive at the time because you know this was 2007 so the pilot had a viewership of 1.1 million and by the third chapter it had a 78 percent increase in audience it did really well in the male and the young female demographics. And to date it, it was consistently in the top 10 iTunes downloaded episodes. iTunes, oh my god. As of always, this trusted source being Wikipedia that I got this information from. Um, yeah, so that's about what I was able to find of Greek. Now I will give you my summary. <clears throat> rusty is a nerd who doesn't want to be nerdy he wants the college life that his sister casey has in the greek sorority and fraternity system will he live up to his name spitter and be a quitter or will he finally manage to take a shot The scene where he spit that shot in the girl's face, and then he spit the shot in the boyfriend's face. Yeah. He just, well, I was watching him just like sip the shot, and I'm like, this isn't gonna go well. Nope. <laughs> you can't, you can't like sip drink it. No. It's not how it you works. gotta just throw it back. Th- that's my summary. Okay. I'm done. Yes. So, this show is like the pilot itself. I actually think did a good job of introducing a lot of characters without it being too confusing. It was really entertaining. Yeah. I, like, really enjoyed watching these, this episode. Mm-hmm. And I think they definitely really hit, like, the stereotypical frat bro, sorority girl, nerd, like, stereotypes you see. Oh, Oh, yes. But I think in terms of a pilot flowing well introducing a lot of plot, a lot of conflict, a lot of characters. I also really liked a lot of the character interactions just between two different characters. Um, I really liked to see that. And I was kind of surprised to see a gay fraternity brother, I guess it Mm -hmm. would be. yeah, Especially to it being a black character. Right. I didn't remember that from watching it. No, I didn't either, and especially for the time it was 2007. You said right, yeah. So I was definitely surprised to see that. Um, again, I mean, it's a it's not a main character; it's a side character. We've talked about before how a lot of times the main characters tend to be like the straight white, right, heterosexual, you know, characters. So it's a it's a side character, but I definitely was a little bit surprised and I guess glad to see that because you wouldn't normally see that in the 2000s. Right. Yeah, I like. When I was doing the background, um, I saw that it had gotten a bunch of accolades and praise and I was like, oh, that's, I mean, I'm glad, you know, that's good to see that and like, yeah. be able to have like representation like that, especially in like the Greek system, which has a very mm-hmm. like, it was nice to see some different things going on there. I mean, there was obviously problematic stuff, but when I think about it, college, there's a lot of problematic things in college as well. yeah. So if we're talking about it being realistic to what you actually experience, then yeah, it probably is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get the, the roommate who's like a racist, like confederate. confederate flag. Like I loved when he's like, I'll be praying for you. Yeah. It was, uh, what's his name from the office? I was the trying intern. to remember his name and I couldn't remember. I just said the guy from the office. Yeah, or intern from the office. And there was just all the Zooms on his, like the Bible and like the Jesus Zooms. Yeah. I loved it. And there was like a couple of gay jokes and a girl throwing up in the bathroom yeah. like after eating. But it's also I think it's realistic in the sense that that stuff does happen. But yeah, those things happen. So I, I think in that sense it's it worked as sort of mm-hmm. like being like this is what actually does happen when you're in that environment. Yeah. But overall, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I was I did very too. entertained. I like laughed at some things. Yeah. It was the humor worked for me a lot of the time. I thought it was funny that the one girl, her friend, was the girl from twenty two Jump Street. So she's playing a college character like ten years later. Yeah. In that movie as out. well. Um I couldn't remember her name from the movie, but it was the captain's daughter who like dates Schmidt. Yeah, when he's like you slept with yeah. the <laughs> That was probably, like daughter. one of my favorite scenes in that yeah. movie too. There was also a quote where they were talking about trying to recruit the girl, the prominent daughter of someone. And the quote was, it's like recruiting a Bush twin without the whole war thing. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I wrote down the Bush joke. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, otherwise, I don't have any other um, anything else written down. Okay. Um, I think my favorite character was Rusty. I also picked him as well. Yeah, I think he... You, like, you want to root for him because he just so badly wants to, I think he just wants to be, like, recognized and he wants to be... Like, belong. Yeah, he yeah, wants to Yeah, he belong. just wants to belong to something, yeah. He wants to fit in. I feel like everyone can relate to that at some point, especially, like, high school, college experience. Like, you just want to be a part of something. Right, and I liked that he's portrayed as, like, being awkward, but not that awkward. Like, when he's in, like, the engineering hall and it's, like, there's a party, but it's... You know, not like what he wants, cause he's like, I mm-hmm. want this like college experience, and but yeah, I really liked him. I I thought he was a really compelling character. Yeah, and I I liked him and Casey's relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, there's when she goes and picks him up from the jail yeah. after he punches like the boyfriend in the face or whatever. Yeah, that scene was good. I really like that scene. It's it's interesting to see that sibling dynamic. Um, in terms of, like, watching the show, I think I would. I think so, too. I mean, I've obviously seen... I think I watched, like, all the first season. I don't really remember a lot about it. But I think it's interesting enough to make me at least want to watch a couple more episodes. Right. I said as well, because we used to watch it occasionally, that, yeah, right. I think I would watch it now. Did you have a... Did you do favorite scene or, like, a moment as well? Um, My favorite scene was the one outside of the jail. Okay. The one I did was I really liked the part during the rush where they, like, go to the house and they're, like, Mm -hmm. all right, get out. Like, do you know about us? Get out. And then they just, like, had, like, a party in the back. And I just, like, really liked that whole scene. I thought it was fun. No, I agree. All right. Anything else? Nope. That's it. Okay. So, the next one I did was Shadowhunters, which is my show. Yes. Okay. So, Shadowhunters uh, came out in 2016. It's based off a book series called The Mortal Instruments. And the show ran till 2019, so it was three seasons, uh, 55 episodes, and it was canceled. Uh, they actually ordered two additional episodes to allow them to, like, wrap up their storyline. Okay. Which is good. I think that was a lot of the fan. I remember when it got canceled, because I had friends in college who watched it, mm-hmm. there was, like, a huge fan thing where they, like, wanted another season, and I think they end up settling on giving them a couple more episodes. Gotcha. So, when this pilot aired, it was the largest audience Freeform had had for a pilot in more than two years. Okay. So, it was um, 1.82 million viewers. It had a Metacritic of 45 out of 100 and a Rotten Tomatoes of 44%. Summary, Clary's life is turned upside down on her 18th birthday as she discovers she is not who she thought she was. It's just your classic coming-of-age demon-hunting show. Of course good stuff. What did you think about this? So, this felt really felt like a teenage drama like sci-fi every dystopian teenage book series has like the similar tropes. Parts of it I liked, but a lot of it was really campy. <laughs> mhm. It was just I got confused. It was really jumpy. I felt like the plot yeah. was um, I feel like the writing was a bit CW ish. Yeah, and a bit. It did remind me of like CW, like the Arrow, Flash, like those kind of shows. Yeah, I actually thought that the fighting sequences were done pretty well. Yeah, I thought the cor- like choreography was mm-hmm. done pretty well. In the, the special effects, and I thought that this is potentially a show I could maybe like as like a guilty pleasure. Yeah, to jump ahead. I will tell you, for my would I watch it, I said no, because I'd get sucked in and hate Mm -hmm. it. So I better, it's better that I don't. Because that's the kind of show I could hate watch. Yeah, for sure. This is a show I could hate watch, for sure. Which is why I say when it reminds me of, like, CW shows. Like, the writing's not great. The acting's, you know, subpar. Right. And you get some decent fight sequences. But you can definitely, like, binge watch it. It was just okay. Can we talk about how, um, she turns 18, her mom's like, we have to talk about some serious things, and then she just gets into a cab right, to, right outside a club, like, no big deal, just, like, gets right in a cab. I you and me were like, excuse me. There has never in the history of the world just been a taxi perfectly waiting outside of a bar. But also, like, she just didn't even, she just got right in it. She right. didn't even, like, look. It was like, how do you know that isn't someone else? Right, Clearly. someone could have been waiting for that. I also liked her one friend Maureen was like how do you not know anything about your family and I'm like yeah how do you not know anything about your family or ever question that you know she was actually my favorite character so I actually picked um her other friend um the guy his name I can't remember I just said her best friend okay the the quirky best friend who is the in the band champagne enema which what a name champagne enema what a name Because at the very end, he's like, I'm sorry, do we? you have a meth problem we need to discuss? Like, he just, like, was very entertaining. I liked all the scenes with him. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I probably wouldn't watch it just because I know I would get sucked into it and hate myself. Right. Plus, the the one male lead looked like a ripoff Chad Michael Murray. We talked about this extensively, (laughs) about how if Chad Michael Murray was a teen actor in 2016, this is the haircut and the style he would have. Exactly. Did you have a favorite moment? I think, oh, I thought there was a scene where she, so basically the premise is that she's turns 18 and she finds out that she has all like these, I don't know, like powers. Yeah, like abilities. Abilities she didn't know she had. Um, and there's this group called the Shadow Hunters. They're basically protectors of the humans from the spirit demon world, I guess. yeah. And so she's the only one who can see these shadow hunters. And so there was a scene where she's, like, talking to the guy, and her friends are just watching her, like, t- it looks like she's just talking to no one. Right. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that was pretty much it. I didn't necessarily have, like, a huge favorite scene, I don't think. So um, there's a scene where, like, so her mom has these abilities, but she's been in hiding for, you know, 18 years or whatever. And there's a scene where this evil group i don't remember their name comes for her and there's this woman dot who like works for her in their like antique store and there's a scene where she just gets launched out a window and she's running around in heels and i'm like what are you doing she gets like shoved out a window and like dies and it was like brutal and i'm like she got wasted and it was very entertaining but i just like i was like okay i guess this is how this is gonna go I mean, if you're going to be chased by someone, kick off your heels. Yeah. Go barefoot. Like, risk the glass or whatever yeah. you're going to step on. It's just better for everyone that you're not wearing heels. Right. So, yes. Essentially, no. I I wouldn't watch it to spare myself the hatred. Right. I agree. Okay. Um. So, next, I did Baby Daddy. Okay. So, this is also my background. Yes. So, this show came out in 2012 And it's inspired by the 1987 film Three Men and a Baby. Of course. It ran for six seasons, a total of 100 episodes. Um, It ended in 2017. When it premiered, it had 1.65 million viewers. It had a Rotten Tomatoes score of 36% and a Metacritic of 51 out of 100. So, summary... Ben, a 20-something bartender, receives a surprise at his door in the form of a baby. With the help of his friends and family, he raises said baby. (laughs) This show brings not-so-many laughs and shaming to the max. Oh, God. There was so much fat shaming. The amount of fat shaming that occurred in this episode was insane. Because this is the only other one we watched together, and I couldn't believe the amount of times that they fat shamed one person, like one singular person, this girl, this friend of theirs from childhood. It was just like, that was the joke. Mm -hmm. And I like, I like turned you and I'm like, this is just excessive. Like that's not even funny. It's just bad taste. And like, it's not even a good joke. Yeah. And they just ran with it the whole episode. And that was essentially their humor. They tried to do the whole episode. It was that and like the very like Dumb boys like like mm-hmm. oh men are so stupid they don't know how to do anything. True, right. like comedy and and as for a show that's supposed to be a comedy, like nothing landed. The humor did not land for me in this show. No, at all. The the thing about comedies in in that format sitcom, it's very much reminded me of Melissa and Joey. Yeah, in the sense that the humor didn't land. Like when you have a comedy show you don't necessarily have as much meat in your, like, drama, like, where you can you can rely on other things. Right. And so if you're going to make a show like that, the humor really has to stick. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just, it's not funny. And I think the plot didn't really work for me. The humor just wasn't there. So to me, there wasn't much about the show that I enjoyed. Right. Also, it had one of the worst themes I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I said the intro was horrible. It was even worse than... Um... What was it, 10 Things I Hate About You? Is that what I said that had the one of the worst intros I've ever seen? Yeah, you did say that. I mean, I didn't have a favorite scene. I didn't write one. I just said I liked the part where they were just kind of, like, waiting outside the apartment for him to, like, have to deal with it by himself. And they just, like, had pizza and were, like, falling asleep on the ground. I was like, I guess that's fine. For favorite yeah. character, I ended up, I picked Riley just because I was like, she's competent. And, but I really didn't like most of the characters yeah i guess i said i guess ben who was the main guy i didn't like i was with you none of the characters were developed enough for me to actually like them and in classic Um, abc family fashion ben is the younger brother from kyle xy yes all grown up all grown up yep (laughs) with a baby that he didn't know he had yep um i would not watch this no it's it's just not my style of humor and it's hard. I guess it, it makes sense why it got six seasons, because it's just kind of like mindless comedy. And- I mean, um, Melissa and Joey was the same. I think they had right. like six seasons, and I yeah I get it too. It's just for me that's not that kind of show I want to watch. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. So next I had Make It or Break It, okay. which should be your show. Okay. So. This is one of the other shows that Hannah and I both watched some of when it was airing. I think it came on after, like, Secret Life. It premiered in 2009, which was one of the years that Secret Life was airing. Um, we I remember specifically we'd watch it after we got home from softball. It was mm-hmm. when we were in middle school. So, alright, so. Make It or Break It aired in 2009 and ran for three seasons from 2009 to 2012. It premiered with 2.5 million viewers, which was, you know, pretty good. So it ran for three seasons. The main lead, Emily, leaves the show after season two. So she's not even in the third season. So I did some digging because I just was curious if there was a reason. And it turns out that she, during the second season, was expecting her second child. And because of that, she missed a few episodes at the end of season two, and then announced that she wouldn't be coming back for season three. And so it ended after three seasons, and it wasn't really clear if it, like, had a concrete ending or if it got canceled, so I'm not sure. Um, The only other thing that was on Wikipedia was that they had a lot of stunt doubles, for all the gymnastics scenes, um, as this is a show based on Olympic athletes or training to become Olympic athletes. So the stunt doubles were all former Olympians or NCAA champion gymnasts that they used for all those scenes. Now I have um, a summary. In the cutthroat world of gymnastics, you gotta give it your all to be on top or to be at the top, as Tyra would say. Emily is the new girl in town. Will she be able to find her place at The Rock, or will she not be able to deal with the teenage drama? Mm -hmm. I really remembered the intro sequence of them all running. Yes, and it's actually pretty good. Yeah, and that was the first thing I noticed. I was like, I really remember this. I did not remember that Candace Cameron Burr was in this show. I wrote a note that I said I completely forgot that she was in this show. For those of you who don't know, um, DJ Tanner from Full House. Yes. So, obviously, like, I think this is, hmm, I don't want to say this. I actually liked this pilot in that this is one of the ones where I was the most tuned in. Yeah. Like, I felt my attention was into it the whole time. There were a couple of these where I felt like I kept checking the time remaining just to see how much longer. But I think... I liked seeing all the different girls and sort of their personalities. And obviously, gymnastics, like, it's a very cutthroat, very controlling environment, as we've kind of seen. Unfortunately, in right. a lot of ways. Yeah. But I think that I really enjoy, like, I always enjoy watching gymnastics in the Olympics and everything like that. So I think that was part of it, maybe, is why I was, um, why I felt compelled by it. But I also really think that they did a good job of kind of showing the different athletes and sort of how they deal with the pressure and Mm -hmm. how they deal with the, like, cutthroat competition of it all. So I have, like, I've always really liked um, watching gymnastics at the, like, the Olympics is always one of the sports that I've always really enjoyed watching in general. So I think it's it's cool that they have, like, they do the stunts. Like, they have mm-hmm. stunt doubles to do these stunts, as obviously the actresses are not doing them themselves. And it is really interesting to see, like, yeah, that environment and how they're different and, and how, like, serious some are and how not others are. And um, just having this, like, outsider that they're, like, they just found on a playground. Like, she just, like, was discovered. You know, and, like, has- clearly has, like, family issues and outside of gymnastics itself. Mm hmm But it also is really- it's really messed up. There's a part where one of the girls- because, essentially, they're competing for nationals. And one of the girls changes the vault distance for the trampoline for, like, the vault horse. I don't know- a vault, I guess. It's just- yeah, I think it's just a vault. But regardless- So one of the girls adjusts the height. So when um, Emily, the main character, goes to do the vault, she essentially misses and like lands on her neck. If you do something wrong in sports where you're doing a lot of um, flips and things like that, like it could be go very wrong. Like it's a very dangerous sport. I remember I used to do um, acrobatics when I was a kid. And one time I landed on my neck
1: and it was like
0: terrifying where I was, doing a back handspring and i ended up doing a backflip and just landed on like i could hear people exclaiming as i was upside down and i'm like something's wrong and then i just landed did not break my neck or hurt myself but like if you don't do things like properly it can be really damaging and really harmful to your health so i was like that's like messed up of that one girl to to do that, that i mean really she could have died yeah really. really like been paralyzed exactly or- yeah, that was definitely messed up. I mean, I don't know if you caught this. I'm pretty sure there was like a sexual joke where I, it was one of the moms. She said no one should be able to do what she can do on four inches of wood. I have that in quotes written down at, on there because I was like, excuse me? I was like, "I," and like the dad's face he made after that. I was like, that was definitely they slip that in. Oh, yeah, certainly they slip that in. So I, I actually really liked payson payson was my favorite character as well because yeah. she clearly had like was very serious but she also had great sportsmanship like yeah. she was the one making sure that emily like supporting her and being like hey like she's a competitor too like even though she's not one of us and hasn't been training with us like she still deserves a chance mm-hmm and i like that i i think in terms of favorite scene um there was a part where after emily like her vault goes wrong her and her mom are in, like, the office waiting for a ambulance or whatever to mm-hmm. go to the hospital. And the mom just says to her, she says, tell me what you need right now. And I kind of like that because it's like she was just checking in with her at that moment and just saying, like, you know, what what do you need at this moment? Right. You know, and I, I like that moment between them because obviously there's a bit of, like, a complex relationship there. Right. And, you know, her brothers, I don't know if he's, I'm not really sure, they don't go into detail, but he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. Um, so obviously there's a bit of like a complex family dynamic. They don't necessarily fit into this town, but I liked seeing that moment between the two of them. Yeah. I really liked the, just the montage of the competition stuff. Just, I thought it was really well done and the way they cut things and transitions between things, I just thought Mm -hmm. was really well done. So I really liked that. Yeah. I would, I said I would watch this. Yeah. I said I would too, because we, we watched a lot of, I think season one. I don't know if we ever watched any more than Mm -mm. season one. Yeah, I mean, there's enough conflict and enough pilot and good characters that I think I would, I would give it a chance. Okay, the next show I have is The Bold Type. Okay. Which, this is my background. So, I have seen probably two or three seasons of The Bold Type. Okay. I haven't finished it. I plan on finishing it at some point, but I have watched this show. Okay. So, this was um, a show that came out in 2017, and it's based off the former editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan cosmopolitan magazine joanna coles and she's actually a executive producer for this show okay she also provides the voiceover at the beginning of each episode which you wouldn't have heard but like the recap okay she's the one who does the voice for that she's like gossip girl like kristen bell like kristen bell exactly um, so, the fifth season is set to air this month in May 2021. It got delayed due to COVID. Okay. It's the final season. It didn't get canceled. They just, you know, wrapped up the show, right. basically. Um, and the, the pilot had 0. 0.36 million. Um, so, it had a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 58 out of 100 on Metacritic, and a lot of the praise went to the three main girls, mm-hmm. just giving them praise for their acting and the way they sort of interact with each other. So summary, The Devil Wears Prada meets Sex in the City, join Kat, Jane, and Sutton, three 20-something-year-olds, as they navigate their professional and personal lives at Scarlet Magazine. Watch as they navigate the Fashion and Life magazine with their boss, Jan Levingston. No Gould. <laughs> Where's Gould. What happened to Gold? Did Gold die? <laughs> I know you because I knew you had watched the show and you had told me that Jan, Melora Harding, I believe is her, her the actress's name, yes. um, was in the show. So then when I saw, like, the, the feet walking in, I was like, is this Jan? And I was like, yes! Like, she's perfect as, like, the editor-in-chief of a magazine. She does the role of, like, the confident, working, like, boss woman so well. Yeah, I mean, she could make a career just playing that character cuz yeah. she just you're right she does it so well. I I would like to hear your thoughts since this is a show I'm familiar with. Yeah, so I actually really liked the pilot a lot, more than I was expecting to really. Um I liked that it's focused on like it's very like woman focused. Um in many different aspects. I liked that that each character had like a storyline, so, but it felt like the three of them still all had, like, very important plots, at least for the pilot episode. And I always like, like, I love the Double Wars Prada. I like the, you know, fashion writing industry. Like, shows like that are entertaining to me. So, I really liked it. And I liked the um, relationship between, what's Katie Stevens' character's name again? Jane. Jane. I liked Jane's relationship with Jacqueline. Yes. I really liked their dynamic And there was a lot of, like, good and interesting stuff. I liked a lot of the discussion about, like, woman-focused, like, driven, like, um, sex-positive, at least the impression I got. And there was, like, a part where it was, like, the argument was, like, it's anti-feminist and stuff like that where they're, like, no, it's, like, giving women the choice, like, to which, you know, is, like, the basis of feminism. Mm -hmm. Feminism is just having equal opportunity to be able to choose what you want to do. With yeah. her life, you know? Right. Um, so I liked a lot of that stuff. I thought it was the women empowerment, I guess, uh, angle of that. I, I thought it was was very interesting and intriguing for me as someone who I really didn't really know anything about the show. Yeah. I mean, I think Jacqueline and Jane, that's a relationship that really gets a lot of attention in this show. And I, I think it's – she pushes her because she sees her potential mm-hmm. and because she knows what she's capable of. And I like seeing – three girls who aren't trying to like sabotage each other they're just there to support each other because a lot of times in like shows and movies you get like these like really like cutthroat competitive people who are trying to like sabotage each other's jobs it's like the um 13 going on 30 Mm -hmm. situation where like the two best friends are actively working against each other so i like to see that i mean i think that you know, Cat uh, Sutton and Jane's like friendship is really good. I I really like how Cat and Jane are concerned for Sutton with Richard, who's right. like higher up at the company. Right, the not, that she's not has a relationship with. Right, they're more concerned for her because they said at one point like if it comes out, he'll be okay. And you'll, but, be, like, the you the you'll be the one who You'll be the one who has to like right. deal with that fallout. So I I like them being concerned about that. Um, I just think Jacqueline like she's an mvp in this she's show she was my favorite character of the episode yeah because she's compassionate but she's also like that like badass like authoritative woman. yeah figure right there's a line where um she's supposed to take a call and the guy's like it's beyonce and she's like no shit andrew she's like no <laughs> shit it's i know who beyonce is like he, okay. goes, he goes i've got beyonce for you and then he pauses he's like beyonce knowles and yeah. she's like yeah no shit she's like i know who beyonce is and then my favorite scene was where Jacqueline gives this speech. Was it, like, at, like, a party for the magazine? It was, like, a 60th anniversary party okay. for the magazine, She yeah. gives this, like, speech about, um, just about the magazine and the people who work for it, and I thought it was really well done, and I really liked that moment of the episode. But yeah, I mean, this show definitely, like, in terms of representation, they do have... Uh, like lesbian relationship Mm -hmm. I mean it's um Kat and um Adina who's Mm -hmm. the photographer right so they end up having a relationship you kind of see like I feel like a little bit of foreshadowing but I think they do a good job of portraying kind of woman in the workplace but making it positive and making it realistic i think in a lot of ways and also like of different backgrounds and different things Mm because i liked how i can't remember her name the photographer she was um adina she was asking her like why she wears her hijab if like and like her response was like you know like i choose to because like it empowers me and Mm -hmm. i think i like that it's it's like putting forward this idea of being able to choose i i liked that representation which i think is important to have yep like it's definitely a show I could get into, but it's like I don't know if I can commit to watching what's five seasons, five. Yeah, it's just like that is just like a it's like a commitment. So I don't I didn't dislike the pilot. I really liked the pilot. I just don't know if I can commit to like five seasons of the show right now. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so next we have Beyond, which is yours. Yeah. Okay, so So, Beyond aired in 2017, and it ran for two seasons um, before being canceled in 2018. So, it ran for 20 episodes. Its first season was released digitally only. Its uh, premiere had a view of one million, or most of the views at the beginning were around a million, and then hovered somewhere around one million-ish for a bit before averaging 0.3 million towards the end of the show. I mean, there really wasn't much information other than that. I really couldn't find anything else. Probably because it only aired online and only lasted 20 Mm -hmm. episodes. Right, that's fair. So, for my summary, in this Stranger Things teen drama, a young boy gets abducted in the woods and becomes comatose for 12 years. He awakens to a new life, where Wikipedia is a trusted source of information. And stranger things start happening as he learns he has supernatural abilities. Does he love egos as much as Eleven does? The beginning of the show is like, did this come out before Stranger Things? Did Stranger Things come out before? Because the feel was was just like the exact same thing. You get a kid riding a bike in the woods, and then he disappears, and then it turns out he's in a coma. <laughs> My first comment was, "Is this Stranger Things?" Yeah. Because it it very much did. And I mean, I didn't know anything about the show coming into it. I didn't either. I didn't, the shows I didn't know anything about, I purposely didn't look up because I didn't want to know. So there's like a 12 year time jump. Right. So, because I didn't understand how old he was. He was 25 when he woke up from the coma. So he was 13. He was 13 when he went into it. Because he was like driving like a dirt bike motorcycle. They were like drinking beer and like... I guess it was, like, what, the 80s or yeah, something? Yeah, that's true. That's fair. But and I thought at first it was Jake from Two and a Half Men. Because <laughs> it kind of looked like him. A little bit, yeah. But I said, just, like, imagine being 13 and then waking yeah. up and you're 25. Yeah, I was, like, the the amount of adjusting you'd have to do would be insane. I also said, personally, I don't think... I think I'd rather be dead than be in a coma for 12 years, to be honest. I agree. I would probably just would want to be taken off life support if Mm -hmm. that was the option because I, the idea of just being like unconscious for that long just sounds horrible. Like absolutely horrible. So that was something I was thinking about where I was like, I can't even imagine, especially, I mean, in this circumstance, he wakes up and he has no issues. Like he's essentially perfectly fine. has no muscle atrophy, you know, no muscle degradation, uh, degradation. Uh, I just said a completely wrong word there. So I was like, I don't know where this is going because I'm like, there has to be some sort of like supernatural element to it. And then it's just like, he starts making things happen, causes electrical equipment to have issues. And then it just got weird. And I was like, I don't know what is happening. I had a really hard time following what was happening in the later half of the episode. I mean, it was, like, Stranger Things meets Kyle XY meets 13 going on 30. Yeah. That's the best way I could describe it. I mean, the weird thing about this was I was really intrigued. Yeah, same. Like, in terms of the group of pilots I watched, I actually think this was the one that did a better job of, like, keeping me captivated. Mm -hmm. And it, it did get really confusing. I mean, there was some, like, funny moments. yeah. Like, there was a part where he was, like, at a store and he was trying to hit on the girl. Yes. And he told her that, like, the bra she was holding with a good on her. And then he said, it's a nice color. It looks like blood. <laughs> it's like, that's I how a it. 13-year-old would try and flirt with someone. I had a really, I really enjoyed that aspect. I think my favorite character is Holden. I was going to pick Holden, but then I really liked his brother. Um, Luke. I just really liked all their interactions together as adults because, you know, he's trying to, like, mentor him as the younger brother, you know? So that's, like, I really liked that dynamic. I thought it was fun. Like, he's trying to teach him how to drive and, like, how to hit him. He's like, yeah, go talk to her. Like, I also really liked a lot of the, like, almost, like, the action kind of scenes. Like, they did a lot of, like, slow-mo effects that I thought were pretty interesting. Like, my favorite scene is, like, there's a part where he like causes a car crash and it's like all in slow-mo and it just like the scene itself like the way it was done i thought was pretty interesting and cool yeah i agree um i think maybe i would watch it i thought it was intriguing as a pilot but i also feel like i'd be confused yeah see i said maybe because i don't hate it but also it's only 20 episodes, so I mm. might be willing to commit because it's such a short form show. There's only two seasons, so I don't have to, like, get fully invested in it. But that was interesting. Um, you know, not like a super original premise in a general sense, but I thought I had enough going for it that I could probably watch another episode or so to see if I think it's interesting or if things are explained or if it continues to be just super confusing. Right. Yeah. Okay, so next we have Famous in Love. Okay. Which is a 2017 show based off a novel of the same name. It was canceled after two seasons in 2018. It had 20 episodes total. The pilot had 0. 0.65 million viewers. I couldn't really find much on it. There was a 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much all I got in the background. Okay. It's interesting that these two shows both premiered in 2017 and were canceled in 2018 after 20 episodes. Yeah, that's interesting. And so have just been a bad year for pilots. Just didn't work out. Yeah. Okay, so here's my summary. Marlene Kane is back at it again with another TV ap- adaptation of a book. Watch Paige, a college student's life change overnight as she books the dream job of a lifetime. Friendships, lies, inappropriate hookups, and the Hollywood life await us. Yeah, I saw the Marlene King thing in the intro and I went, oh no. That was my first thought. She has her claws in freeform. Yeah. And when I saw Byron Montgomery, yes. aka Chad Lowe, appear, yes. I thought, my god. I have a comment that just says, lol, Arya's dad. <laughs> just casually walking by. Chad Lowe. I didn't remember until I started watching it, but I've seen this pilot. I watched the pilot on TV. I think just it was on and I think I just didn't turn it off because all of a sudden I was like, wait, I've seen this before. And then I was like, and I've also seen this part. And then I got to the end of the episode and I was like, I guess I just watched the pilot. I don't remember why or when I, I only watched the first episode, but. I had already seen it, so it was weird, because I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I have seen this, but it's it's what you'd expect from Marlene King. I mean, there was, like, the woman grabbed the guy's balls yes. under the table, and I was like, this is sexual assault, and then I said, oh, right, Marlene doesn't really care about inappropriate relationships or, like, issues like Especially that. Especially because she's got a teenage boy hooking up with his best friend's mom. Yeah. Um... I, the acting felt really unnatural at times. Yeah. And I thought the writing was very, like, one note. This was one of those where I kept checking the time on the, to see how much time was left in the episode. I just was very confused. And, like, there was a friend, you like you said, hooking up with Mariner's mom. There's also just, like, her friend was hooking up with some guy and I was like, is this some like sex cult stuff? I don't know. It seemed like there's something going on. Yeah, with it was that. weird. It just feels very very much like the teenage drama but like not good. Like a lot of the tropes I just I don't feel like would be entertaining. I mean we we know Marlene can do a pilot well because Yes. Yeah. Pretty little Liars was I think both of ours, like either number one or two. Pilot. Yeah, it was up there. I just think that I couldn't sit there and watch how many I think it was twenty episodes. I don't think I, I don't, could either. And I didn't even write down a favorite scene or a favorite character. I like liked the chemistry during the casting scene. I thought it was mm-hmm. good. It was interesting. Yeah. That's that was my favorite scene I picked. Yeah, I didn't have a favorite character either. Maybe um Chad Lowe popping up. <laughs> I did like the scenes with her friend Cassandra. I just yeah. like, liked her. I liked that she was supportive of her, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, wasn't mad when she, like, she didn't get a callback kind of deal. But yeah, I agree. I probably wouldn't watch any more of this. Yeah. I wouldn't go beyond the pilot. Okay. So we have Recovery Road. So this was a 2016 show based off of a 2011 young adult novel of the same name. It was one season, 10 episodes, it got canceled. Mm-hmm. It's 0.46 million viewers for the pilot, and it had a 70 out of 100 on Metacritic. My summary, uh, drugs, alcohol, and blackmail. Just your typical teen drama show. Maddie, a teen dealing with addiction, is sent to a rehab facility for treatment. There she meets her new housemates, including Wes, who she is forbidden to date. I wonder what will happen there. I just want to start by saying that I was watching this and I'm like, the lead looks so familiar. And then we got to this um, rehab facility and you meet Wes, right? That's his name. And all of a sudden I was like, I know him. And then it clicked for me that the Wes and um, Maddie were two of the leads in skins which was a UK show that I watched in college. Um, They were in, like, the third generation. Grace and Maddie were their character names. Um, And I really liked Grace. Grace was, like, one of the best characters of that group of um, actors. So I just thought that was interesting that two of the leads from the same season of a show just ended up in American television. And there's also a lot of, like, Kyla Pratt's in this. Damien from Mean Girls is in this. Yeah, Um, It's got a very interesting cast the mom maddie's mom's been in a lot of stuff too. yeah yeah but i don't know i just i think the premise is definitely interesting and like the acting was good the subject matter of the pilot was good but i just don't feel it i think if i were 16 i maybe would be more interested in it yeah but it it was, because obviously there's some heavy subject matter in this. Right. I mean, you're dealing with addiction, you're dealing with, like, there's a scene where she, like, thinks she might have slept yeah, with sec- a guy. Yeah, sexual and she, assault. Right, she um, doesn't even remember it, and I definitely think there's some heavy topics, but I also think it feels very... Feels very heavy-handed, maybe? Yeah, and it feels very high school, like, drama. I don't know there i guess there was just a lot of like things i was unsure of like i just had yeah. questions about um was that guy her boyfriend was he the same guy from famous in love the best friend who's sleeping been. with the mom i was like he looks very familiar he might have been okay. but she didn't as far as i understood she, he didn't know that she was in rehab no. right i don't okay. think she told anybody i mean that's fair
1: yeah. You probably
0: wouldn't. And also, the counselor kind of looked a little like Ezra, I thought, from Pretty Liars. <laughs> I was like, oh no. But British Ezra. I was like, that's not good. I feel like I related to Maddie, like, when <laughs> it's my worst nightmare, like, pulling into a driveway and there's being a group of people cheering for you. <laughs> yes. And, like, her being uncomfortable with hugging. I was like, I relate. I was like, is it right to send a teenager to a facility with a bunch of adults? Yeah. I guess they... Talked about that a little bit though. They mm-hmm. said they would send her somewhere else, and then she wanted to stay there. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the Fosters. Yeah, some of the elements were were similar, but I think the Fosters did a better job of like making it a show that people who aren't teenagers would enjoy. Yeah, to <laughs> so it... adjust my ass. It hurts so bad. No, it's fine. I've been slowly sliding down the wall because at least with the Fosters, they're able to deal with a lot of heavy subject matter, but also, I feel like. The, maybe the characters and the dynamics were more compelling mm-hmm. with, within the family unit as opposed to this, um you know, house and the cast of characters within it. Um, I didn't hate it, but I just personally don't feel like, I mean, I guess I can understand why it was canceled. Yeah, I didn't, do you think the mom and the counselor were, like, a thing? I was unclear. The school unsure. counselor? It kind of seemed, yeah. yeah. They had a relationship. Because she told her, you know, I the mom was the one who asked the counselor to search her locker, yeah, like initially, and right. I mean, they definitely had some sort of relationship. I think Maddie, she's, I think she's complex enough to be interesting. Yeah, but I, I also said like, she's my favorite character. I agree. Yeah, um, and I, I think my favorite scene. I liked how they did the callback to like her learning how to ride a bike. Yeah. Like, at the end, they brought it out and they taught her how to ride a bike because she had mentioned that to Damien's character earlier. Right. But I said that I probably wouldn't watch it. I just don't think that, as an adult, like, where I'm at now, I can see myself sitting down. I know it's only ten episodes. Right. Which also means you're not going to get, like, a ending. Like, a concrete ending. Um, yeah. I really, I actually really liked, there's a scene where she, like, has, like, a dream about her dad. And, like, he died in a a car accident with a drunk driver. Mm -hmm. Which she says, ironically... And there was, like, a weird dream death scene with him that I just thought was, like, interesting. Yeah. But I agree. It's, like, it's a fun show. It seems fine, but just I personally didn't feel an attachment or, like, you know, a connection with that. I would want to keep watching it. Right. I agree. Okay. Next, I had The Nine Lives of Chloe King. Ooh, yes. Okay. So, um, The Nine Lives of Chloe King premiered in 2011. It ran for 10 episodes before being canceled so it is based on a book series of the same name that's consists of three books and the premise of it is essentially that um she is a descendant of the of baslet which is a god egyptian goddess of protection and cats hence the nine lives bit she's like catwoman but like a teenager (laughs) so it got mostly positive reviews The premiere had 2 million viewers, and it had dropped in half by the time of the finale. Um, So there was a television movie script about the show that was released in 2012, but it was never, like, made into a movie. They just, like, released the script for this movie. And that is the background that I was able to find. Clearly, it it was another show that only lasted for 10 episodes before being canceled. So, there's a lot... There's a lot going on with this. Did you have a summary? What? Summary. Oh, sorry. My my summary. You're right. My summary, though. Chloe is a cat girl. She's going through ch cha 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 changes on her 16th birthday. Claws, reflexes, nine lives, and a kiss of death. What will happen in the next episode? I <laughs> just, like... This was the most chaotic, like, bizarre pilot I have watched. I mean, she kissed a guy outside of a bar and he died. (laughs) Why is that a thing that's a part of this? Like, if you kiss someone, they die? So you just can't ever kiss anyone? Like, is that, that's the interpretation I got? She got thrown from a tower and died. She got got yeeted off of a tower. She got yeeted. And the CGI was terrible. She was being chased by, like, A at the beginning <laughs> yeah. with a black hoodie. Yeah. And I said, was this a girl from Scream, Scream Queens? Yes, it is the girl from okay. Scream, Scream Queens. Scream Queens, the main character. <laughs> we yes, both that. We did. It's a hard title to say. They really didn't think that through. <laughs> and I said, who is this mom? And, and she's Donna from The Office. Oh. Michael, yeah. like, you know, hooks up with that lady. Yeah. Um. Can we talk about the fact, so they go to, like, a club. If I saw a 16-year-old at a club, like, or a bar, I would know. You can tell someone who's that young. Also, her friends left her. Yes. With a stranger at a club. It's a 16-year-old, yeah, I know. I mean, they're not smart, they're teenagers. This show made me hate teenagers. There's too much teenage drama they did actually look like teenagers. They did. I'll give them yes. credit for that. Um, can we talk about the gross scene where a homeless man tries to assault her and then yeah. she slashes him in the face with her cat claws, which I was like, they really like to do that in ABC Family because right. there was like the siren thing where she kills that guy who tries to like have her give him like a hand job in his car. Yeah. Same thing, just beating up old men. <laughs> and also like the jock dude who ends up being one of the cat people Yeah, that the cgi basketball scene where she throws a basketball into the garbage can yeah, but he also like I was dying. saddled up right next to her and like grabbed her and i yes. was like keep your hands off yeah so there was a lot of like weird stuff the scene where she did parkour she did a lot of parkour i hate everything about this She was turning into a cat, or she just has cat tendencies? She just has, like, cat characteristics. She's got the reflexes, she's got claws, she's got the nine lives bit. And then she was adopted and smuggled out of Ukraine, apparently? I I don't- there was so much going on, I, like, couldn't follow it. I guess Chloe was my favorite character, and the the basketball shot into the garbage can was my favorite scene because of how absolutely ridiculous it was. I liked Paul, who was her friend. Uh Uh-huh. He seemed like a good guy. I my favorite scene is her friend saying, You can't go in there alone, but I don't want to go in there with you. <laughs> God. It's like, yeah, that's fair. To answer, um, no, I would not watch this show. No, I said two teen drama for me, can't watch. Yeah, it's too much. Okay. Stitchers. Stitchers. Okay, so this show aired in twenty fifteen. It was cancelled after three seasons in twenty seventeen. It had 31 episodes, a Rotten Tomato score of 25%, Metacritic of 48 out of 100, and 1.28 million viewers in the premiere. My summary, if you thought Freaky Friday was weird, just wait. Kirsten, our main character, gets recruited by a secret government agency to be stitched into the minds of recently deceased people to solve crimes. This, This is like... Such a good idea, but such a terrible pilot. What? I did not like it. I didn't like it. I was so bored. I love this. <laughs> like that's. I, I mean, good. I'm glad that you like it. I thought it was one of the best pilots out of the group. I just. I don't know. I feel like I. I didn't like the main character. I think that set me off immediately. I loved Mindy from Drake, Drake and Josh. Mindy from Drake and Josh. Um, her friend Maggie, or maybe her not friend, her roommate. I really liked her character. I was really entertained with all the scenes she was in. I don't know, maybe because I watched I've watched so many procedural, like, crime shows. I understand the idea and it but it's gonna be one of those shows where it's like the crime of the week deal where maybe it would be better if I watched more than just the pilot, but I just, like, I don't know, I just, like, couldn't get into it. And maybe it's just I fatigued myself too much because I watched too many episodes in the same day, so maybe that's part of it. So I agree with you that I think if I watched this show, it would get repetitive mm-hmm. because it very much feels like CSM Miami NCIS, where Bones. you're getting a different case each week. I think what I really liked, I actually loved the main character. Okay. I love this concept that she has this temporal dysplasia, so she has no time perception. Mm -hmm. So basically her adoptive slash not adoptive father, Mm -hmm. because he never adopted her, I guess. Right. He dies and she gets asked by a police detective why she didn't show any emotion And she responds saying that because she has no concept of time, it was like he had been dead forever. Right. And I thought it was a really interesting way to write a character because she's very, she doesn't really have any emotion. Yeah. And maybe because I'm so emotionless, (laughs) I relate to her. But I thought it was a really well done pilot. Like I thought that it introduced the characters in a way that made you like them. I actually liked a lot of these main characters and I think that it would get repetitive but I think in terms of like seeing a show that is something different because it did a good job to me of being sort of a morbid show because essentially you're going into the mind of dead people to figure out what their last couple hours were like and what they kind of went through But I thought they did a good job of adding humor into it and made it more lighthearted. I think maybe for me, so, like, I used to really like Bones back in, like, high school. I watched a lot of Bones. Um, The main character is someone who's very, comes across as very emotionless and very, like, doesn't understand connection, like, human connections and relationships and things like that to some aspect, but... I still found her very, like, endearing and a very entertaining character that I could, like, but, like, still comes across as, like, likable. And I think I just, with this character, like, I do like that there's this kind of, like, detachment, you know, that she tends, seems to have from most people. Um, which I, I loved. My favorite scene was her and uh, Mindy fighting, like, at the beginning, where they're talking about how she's, like, stolen her research and just them, like, talking back and forth. I really liked their dynamic, like, their relationship. But I just, like, I think maybe she just came across as too unlikable for, for an initial, like, first episode for me. hmm That's fair. I think she was actually my favorite character. Like, I've already, you know, explained mm-hmm. why that was. Right. Um, I think there was a scene I did, like, more just humor, where she said, you look like Gollum. You've been living (laughs) in your cave so long. You forgot how to talk to the rest of us hobbits. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. I feel that. So, yeah, I said probably not, just because I know how, like, the procedural show goes. And it's just... I wouldn't... I just am not interested in watching a show like that. I don't really watch a lot of procedural shows in general anymore, Yeah, I mean, I said yes. I think it was a well-done enough plot and and interesting enough. And I actually liked every single character. There wasn't a character that I disliked in the show. So I think for that, I don't know that I would necessarily want to watch the whole show. But if we're just looking at it from a pilot standpoint, I think it would be enough to make me want to watch again. Okay, so next we have Cruel Summer. Cruel Summer. So Cruel Summer is a show that premiered in 2021 in April 20th. So it's only been running for about a month. There are five episodes currently out as of this being recorded. And it has mostly positive reviews. It has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, 74 out of hundred on Metacritic. Apparently it is the most watched overall series debut on Freeform, like of all time with 3.81 million viewers. It also airs on Hulu as well, so I don't know if that adds to it, because the. can we talk about how horrible the Freeform player is? So bad. The amount of buffering that I got trying to watch some of these shows was horrible. Um, it has a very heavily 90s-inspired soundtrack, clearly, as it takes place in the 90s, um, and Jessica B- Beale is an executive producer on the show. Um, so for my summary, three timelines, three years, same day. There has been... A kidnapping in the 90s, and Jeanette is a suspect. Will weaving timelines confuse and confound even the best detective of cracking the case? So the premise of the show is is really interesting. You've got 90, 1993, 94, 95, mm-hmm. and you've got the same character, same day, and you see the different ways of her life between those three years. For a pilot, I was really intrigued. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of show that I, that can suck me in. Like, the reason we added this, we we kicked out a show and put this in, in its place, because I saw an ad for it and I really wanted to just watch it. Like, I just want to watch the show in general. And I probably, spoiler word, I'm probably going to keep watching it. (laughs) But, um, I just, like, really liked the like the timeline dynamic, the switching, and like the way they were able to portray the different years, like the the lighting techniques they used, like the the sound, like there's a lot of sound missing in the last year. And just to see like the dynamic changes of this one girl who's becomes like a main character of this um, girl's disappearance, Um, Katie Walsh. She disappears, seeing this dynamic and trying to figure out like what exactly happened between these three years. Yeah. I mean, first off, for any Grey's Anatomy fans, I'm going to shout out April Kepner was the mom. Okay. just have to say that. I agree, though. They did such a good job of, sometimes when you do those concepts of going back and forth Mm -hmm. between different timelines, it gets really confusing, and they did such a good seamless job of transitioning between three different years smoothly, and I thought it was really compelling. Like, I kept writing down, like, what I thought was going to happen, like, predictions. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, the assistant principal's a creep. Like, he for sure was somehow involved. I I got that immediately when you met him. And, you know, it's it's like the nerdy girl gets her braces off, straightens her hair. Becomes popular. Suddenly she's beautiful. Like, she was never beautiful all along. Like, that kind of trope. But I think that the characters are really interesting. I like the um, Vincent... He was the friend. He was my favorite character of the pilot. Same. It was really interesting to, to see because you don't really know how she's involved, right? Because you you get her talking to her lawyer in a yes. couple different scenes, and they're kind of alluding to the fact that she's in some sort of trouble. right? And it's not until right at the end when you realize that she came I guess came face to face with Kate or Katie the girl who gets kidnapped and like apparently didn't try and save her right like saw her in some circumstance and didn't tell anyone or do anything is what she's saying yeah what's the truth because I was almost like is this like because her birthday her first birthday they show I think she was turning 15 15, yeah yeah her dad you know gave her another wish she's like what what do you want and she just said she wanted to be you can't redo a wish Right, mm-hmm. and I, th- I wondered if like it's like a Freaky Friday situation, and her and the girl switch bodies. Yeah, like it. The way they were talking, it almost seemed like they were the other person because right. they kept saying like "You're exactly like her," blah blah blah. But yeah, I mean, it definitely was interesting. Like, you're right. This is the kind of show that you get addicted to, mm-hmm. and maybe it doesn't end up being the best show. But there's enough like confusion and enough plot to make you want to keep coming back. And like the one of the questions I'm really intrigued on is in the first year, like when she turns 15, like clearly there's a, a family like her mom and her dad and her mm-hmm. brother. And then by the time you get to the third year, it's just her dad, like mm-hmm. her mom and her brother are non-existent. So I'm just, right. what happened? And her dad's like with someone else. Right. Like he's seeing someone else. Yeah that'd be that'd be interesting it's definitely like like you said i'll definitely probably keep watching this show yeah i'm planning to continue it yeah I, vincent was my favorite he was my favorite as well because throughout all of the three years he's shown as being someone who's like on her side mm-hmm. like he calls her to be like hey this guy you used to date is hanging out outside your house like the guy who like straight up punched you in the face right yes I'm trying to think if I had a favorite scene. See, I didn't really have a favorite scene because I just like I think what I really liked is just the way it transitioned between yeah. these different years and like the cuts that they had between them. Yeah, I agree. It was good though. Yeah, I liked it. I'm okay. into it. And last but not least, we have Switched at Birth. Switched at Birth. Alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into this one. I have okay. so much to talk about. So Switched at Birth is a show that I have seen multiple seasons of. It premiered in 2011 and ran for five seasons. Switched at Birth is the first mainstream television show with multiple deaf and hard of hearing actors and actresses and scenes completely done in American Sign Language, which is also known as ASL. So at this point, I guess, prior to, um, Curl Summer, it was the highest rated series debut with 3.3 million viewers. Um, It received an honorary Peabody Award in 2013. Um, The actress who plays um, Daphne, who's one of the main characters, um, Katie LeClerc, I think is how you pronounce her last name, she is hard of hearing. She doesn't have a deaf accent in real life, so she picked that up for the show. Um, She learned ASL when she was a teenager and was diagnosed with Meniere's disease, which is essentially having issues with inner ear problems, like difficulty hearing, dizziness. So she can still hear things, but she's hard of hearing and uses ASL because of that. Um, So one of the actresses on the show, she wasn't in the pilot, but um, Marley Matlin is a prominent deaf actress. She's the only deaf actor to win an Academy Award for the movie Children of a Lesser God, and she's also won Golden Globe and been nominated for multiple other Emmys and awards as well. They also had um, an ASL expert on set to make sure all of the prominent deaf actors and actresses were using similar dialects, because even though American Sign Language is in itself a language, there's many different like different uh, accents, there's many different dialects within um, sign language. So I actually watched the show in class. So I took um, American Sign Language in high school, and we would watch the show quite a bit because of its accurate and like well done portrayal of like the deaf community and the hard of hearing community and just the misconceptions that you know people who are deaf like n- people have with it which is well shown in the pilot um but i just th- think it's a really good representation of you know disabilities and um ways of life that you don't normally get to see in television so mm-hmm. just it's considered very groundbreaking for those reasons um so for my summary George Lopez's hot wife and Marty McFly's mom come to a startling discovery when they find out their daughters were switched at birth. Raised in different worlds, the two families must find a way to come together in this show that helps to normalize a disability. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before, but like representation matters and Mm -hmm. like people being able to, you know feel like they're validated and feel like they're portrayed in media, I think is really important. Because I was going to ask you that if the Daphne, if she was deaf in real life, I wasn't sure. So that's interesting to know that. But I I think, I've never, I don't think I've ever watched this pilot. I, you used to tell me about this show because, Mm -hmm. and I think maybe you had to, I know you had to watch it for like homework assignments. So I think once in a while I'd maybe watch like a couple minutes of it with you. But I actually think at times I was like, this is so awkward and cringy, but then I was like, the situation is so awkward and cringy. Like, all of a sudden, you find out you have another mom, or you have, like, this whole family you didn't know. And I was like, it would be really uncomfortable. Like, the first scene where they go over to, like, have lunch or whatever together, Mm -hmm. and they just don't know anything about each other. Right. And it's just such an uncomfortable situation. But I actually, like, really enjoyed it. I think... There was a lot of good moments. There was a lot of, like, these... I mean, I I hated (laughs) the dad. Yeah. Just because I felt like he was, like... I don't know that he felt this way, but because he had money and because they grew up sort of, like, wealthy and Mm -hmm. well-off, that he felt like he needed Daphne to also be that way. Right. And so he tried to kind of go behind the mom's back and, like, make all these changes. And I understand where he was coming from as well, because he's trying to take care of her. I get that. Right. But I don't know. I really liked it. Like there was this scene where, and I forget the his name. It was Daphne's friend who rode Shawn, the motorcycle. Um, sh- well, his, the actor's name is Sean. But anyways, um, yeah. there was a scene and Lucas Gabriel's like talking with Daphne and this friend and he keeps looking at Daphne and like trying to have the conversation with her as opposed to... Um, the boy, the Sean, whatever his Mm -hmm. name was, because he's deaf but he doesn't he's nonverbal. So he doesn't speak, he can read lips and everything like that, read mouths. And I just thought that was really interesting because he he kept talking to Daphne and she's like, You know, you can talk to him. Right. And then the friend kept being like Right. The friend kept being like, you know, he's he's still doing it and like at the end he says something about like it's because of like morons like you and all this stuff and she goes, Oh, he really likes your shoes, like I don't know, like, there was a lot that I enjoyed about it. Watching Ryan, or sorry, I called him Ryan from Lucas Gabriel's character yes. from um, High School Musical. Watching him play basketball, I couldn't stop thinking about, hey, buddy, buddy, get your hey, head the game. <laughs> I kept thinking if I Don't Dance. Um, but it was interesting, too, because you get, um, oh, I don't know what her name was in the show. It's George Lopez's wife. Daphne's mom yeah i think she feels really threatened by this other family because Mm -hmm. they have like wealth and they have all this stuff that she didn't have right and you can tell she's like scared for daphne to get close to them because she doesn't want her to want to be with them more than she wants to be with her right because um it's revealed that she uh, is deaf because she got meningitis when she Mm -hmm. was a baby and at one point like Daphne's, like, biological parents are, like, how did she get it? Like, basically blaming her for causing this, you know? And I liked a lot of the representation of the deaf community and that a lot of misconceptions people have. Like, her mom tries to talk really loud to her, and um, George Lopez's wife is, like, you saying anything any louder, she's still not going to hear it, you know? Um, And there's this one scene that was my favorite scene is where Bay's, the other lead's dad comes to talk to George Lopez's wife and is like trying to be like, oh, there's this thing called cochlear implants where, you know, you can hear again. And, you know, basically like, oh, we like, we'll pay for it. You know, you should be able to hear. And her mom has to explain that it's like, this is not like normal hearing. It's basically rewiring your brain to like, register electrical impulses like in a different way and when I was in my class like there is a very strong sense of like pride within the deaf like community and people like have a sense of pride being deaf and there's a weird weird feelings towards cochlear implants like some people are fine with it and other people seen it as offensive because you're essentially taking away from this community like you're Mm -hmm. taking away this way of life by like choosing to become hearing I guess um so I really liked how that scene was done I also really liked the scene where it was entirely done in ASL like it was Mm -hmm. her and her friend talking at school and it was just you know there was no back vocals it was just complete silence other than like the noises being made by like them like talking Mm -hmm. and signing at each other and so I really liked that as well yeah, I did too. And they'll con- they continue to do that throughout the show. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I said I don't know. I had a hard time picking a favorite character because I actually really liked a lot of the characters. Yeah. I think I ended. I ended up going with Daphne. I went with Daphne as well. Um, it's just interesting to see how she kind of views the whole situation because she says at one point, like, you know, I've been through a lot worse. Mm-hmm. So, like to me, this isn't like a huge thing. I mean, obviously the whole situation's like super hard. I mean, can you imagine right. leaving a hospital with a wrong child I and know. you don't find out for how old are they? Like probably sixteen years. Yeah, I think they're like fifteen, fifteen, sixteen. I I liked her. I think favorite scene is probably the one you said where they're just talking in sign mm-hmm. language and it's just yeah. silence. I, I did like that. And I think I, I think I would watch it. I mean, I actually, like, kind of plan on watching more of it. Yeah, so I never finished the show. Um, we watched, like, a lot of season one in class, and I continued watching it. Um, but I never finished it. But I really liked the show when I was watching it. Like, it had yeah. a lot of really good dynamics, like, character interactions and family dynamics and just a good representation of, like, ASL and sign language and, like, the deaf community and just... I think it's really good to have people see different ways of life, you know, that they're not familiar with and don't think of, because especially during COVID, people who read lips and, Mm -hmm. you know, that's their primary way of being able to communicate with people who don't, you know, use sign language has been extremely impactful, like on people who are deaf, you know, not being able to see people's lips is, yeah, like I can't even imagine how hard that must be. It's just, oh, like, true. things to consider that you wouldn't normally think about. Right, right, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting. I mean, you don't really get a lot of shows that have deaf characters. Right, yeah. I can't really think of any off the top of my head, at least not main characters. So, um, Marley Matlin, um, she plays her friend's mom, is essentially her character in the show. Her friend from... Um, oh okay because we haven't seen her right right so she's not in the pilot but she plays his mom um and so she's a prominent deaf actress and she's been in things like the west wing she had you know has had guest spots and television shows and movies and things but yeah there isn't a lot of representation in shows yeah yeah all right well that is our discussion yes we are going to rank Um, I think I might have started first last time, too. I think so. Okay. In last place, I have Baby Daddy, because there just wasn't anything redeeming about it to me. I didn't like the humor. I didn't like the style of show, and I hated the pilot, so I would not watch it again. Yeah, I agree. I put Baby Daddy last in pretty much everything you just said. So the next one, I had The Nine Lives with Chloe King, just because it was so chaotic and all over the place, and just there was so much going on and just didn't work as a pilot. Yep. I also put nine Lands of Chloe Kane. I agree. It was just way too confusing for me to follow. So the next I have, um, Stitchers, which you're going to disagree with me on. And I just, I don't think the pilot itself is bad. I just like, I don't know. I just couldn't get into the show. It just like, wasn't for me. And I just like, wasn't interested in following it. So it's just going to be there because of that. That's fair. Um, I put Famous in Love. I just really didn't like this show and I think it was the most I checked like a clock to see how much longer I had. I -hmm. just couldn't um, get invested into it. So then next I had Famous in Love um, because it just felt like teenage drama show but without anything interesting going on with that. Um, so next I went with Shadowhunters. I think it was a decently done show. I just, it was very CW and I just know where that's gonna go. Yeah. And I know that I cannot, um, put effort into that. So next I also have Shadowhunters for the same reasons. It's just, like I said, I, I I could get sucked in, but it would be a hate watch. Like I would the writing's already like stiff and awkward and Mm -hmm. I know how it's gonna go you know so next I had recovery road I think it was just a little bit too like teenage drama for me and I do think they have some interesting concepts and compelling concepts but I also I can't see myself sitting down and watching it so I also had recovery road next as well again, for the same reasons. It's just, it's got an interesting concept, but I just don't think that there's enough compelling things going on to make me want to continue watching the show as a, like, in a, the sense of it being a pilot. Mm-hmm. Next, I had Beyond. Um, I actually think it was pretty well done and definitely compelling, but I just fear with that one, there was so much that happened in the last, like, 10 minutes that just seemed really confusing that I think I would spend half that show just trying to figure out what was going on. I also have Beyond as my next show. It was, again, the same reasons. Like, there was a lot of things I actually really liked about it. Um, I was really into it, but then, yeah, the end just kind of took a real turn and got very confusing. So I, I feel like that was their way of trying to draw you in, but it just kind of didn't really work in that aspect for me. So, next I had um, Make It or Break It. I actually really liked this pilot and I I think it was one of the ones I enjoyed more. But at the same time, I don't know. I would definitely watch the show and I, I remember liking it when we first watched it. But I also think there were a couple issues with some of the characters that I don't necessarily know I would be as invested in. Especially since you just said that the main girl leaves after like two seasons. I think it's one of those shows that might be good at the beginning and then just, like, fall off. Yep, I have Make It or Break It next as well. Um, yeah, same reasons. We did watch quite a bit of season one, and the characters are all interesting, and the, the dynamic of the show being gymnastics um, and, like, the and the gymnastics world is, is pretty interesting, but I agree that it feels like this is the kind of show that starts strong but does not end strong. So next I had Greek. Um, I really enjoyed this pilot more than I thought I would. And I don't remember the show being like this when I watched it. To be fair, I also watched it probably in five years ago. Mm -hmm. So before I was even like really in college or just kind of starting into college. But I think they do a really good job of showing stereotypes, but also kind of breaking stereotypes in a way which I think is interesting. So next I have the bold type and this is kind of the same thing where I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it is. I thought there was a lot of really good representation, um, especially for women um, as well, just different backgrounds and, and personalities and strengths and weaknesses in people. And um, I liked the environment and I liked the, the stylistic choices of the show and it could it could be something that I could possibly I could see myself watching. It's just if I'm willing to commit to to like all the seasons of the show, but I definitely think it was one of the more well done pilots. So number four, I had stitchers, which I know we were at quite a divide on that one. Um, the reason it didn't go higher is because I think in terms of a long term viewership, I agree. I don't know that I would want to sit there and watch. The same kind of story every single week but I think in terms of like a pilot I thought it was one of the best done of the group we watched so number three I have Greek um and I agree like I was really interested in entertained by the pilot I thought lots of it a lot of things were really funny and the humor held up well which for being a show from 2007 mm-hmm. I was surprised that a lot of the stuff worked for me um and didn't feel outdated but I thought it like held up really well and the leads were all really interesting so yeah and you know considering we had seen some of the episodes before I could see myself like actually going back and watching the show Mm mm-hmm So number three, I did bold type. It might be a little bit of like a bias because I do really like the show, Mm -hmm. but I I do think it's a really well done pilot. And I was the same thing with you when I, I remember I first watched it, the show had already been out for probably a year and I wasn't expecting much. And I kind of was surprised by just how much I liked, you know, a lot of those characters, like they really do come through. And I'm sort of looking at it, a lens of someone who's seen multiple seasons of it so I think that kind of raises it a little bit for me. But the pilot itself is really strong still. So for number two, I put Cruel Summer. And as a show that just came out like within the last month, um, you can definitely see like the production value is there. Um, the editing is really well done. I'm intrigued enough to want to get more of that story. Um, it has a lot of the elements of things that I really like. I love... The, like, who done it, the mystery aspect. It's got the very, like, Veronica Mars season one feel to it. And there's a lot of elements that I think could really work. There are some things that prevent it from being what I consider to be the best pilot. Um, but it's, it's very well done. I really liked it. Yeah, so I actually will have the same top two then. Okay. Because I also put Cruel Summer second i didn't really know what to expect we i had seen the commercials obviously that's Mm -hmm. part of the reason why we wanted to watch it but i think it just did such a good job of of seamlessly going through three different years and just telling that story in such a compelling way that i i was like really intently focused the entire time i was watching that pilot and then number one i have switched at birth and part of it's probably bias um just because it's a show i've seen quite a bit of but I just think for a sensitive subject matter, being someone who is deaf um, with a disability, I think it is done really carefully and really well in a way that it allows people, you know, normal people to make mistakes and do things wrong, but be able to see this, you know, another point of view that you wouldn't necessarily know. And while the, like, switched-up-birth concept isn't new, it's been done before, this added element of having this daughter who, you know, you know, uses ASL and, you know, is deaf is a dynamic that I think brings a lot of new relationships and new, like, scenarios that you wouldn't be able to find in other shows. And I just think it's a really well-done pilot. I think... I can't remember if I ranked... Perdilla wires or bunheads is my number one, but I think this rivals whatever of those two I ranked as number mm. one as being the best pilot of ABC Family. I would say, yeah. yeah, I so I'm coming at it as someone who's never really seen the show, mm-hmm. and so I think it's like what you, pretty much everything you said. I just think that all the characters are likable, even side characters who didn't get much screen time become likable. And I think with this show, you can see, like, a path of where it would go, and not that you necessarily need that to have a good pilot, but you have to have a reason for people to want to come back and watch it, and I think they do a good job of making all those characters likable enough and introducing enough conflict that you're going to want to keep coming back, and I agree. I think I I had Pretty Little Liars as number one, I want to say, and I would- I would say that those two are definitely really up there in terms, not even just for ABC Family. Just pilots just in general. Just as pilots in yeah. general. They're definitely up there as like really strong pilots. Yeah. I'll go back and give my list. It goes um, Baby Daddy, The Nine Lives of Chloe King, Stitchers, Famous in Love, Shadow Hunters, Recovery Road, Beyond, Make It or Break It, The Bold Type, Greek. Cruel Summer, and Switched at Birth. And then mine is Baby Daddy, Nine Lives of Chloe Kane, Famous in Love, Shadow Hunters, Recovery Road, Beyond, Make It or Break It, Greek, Stitchers, The Bold Type, Cruel Summer, and Switched at Birth. So essentially what we learned is we essentially had the exact same list with the exception of Stitchers. That's the only show that had any mm-hmm. difference in the ranking, really, in our lists. Yeah. But I don't know. It's interesting. It's it was interesting to go back and watch a lot of a lot of these shows are from two thousands to I mean current. There is a twenty twenty one show. Yeah. But it's interesting to kind of watch and see what shows still hold up, which right. ones like are problematic because there were definitely a lot of problematic shows. Right. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting. Yeah. For sure, I agree. But yeah, we definitely are gonna plan on doing more of these pilot episodes. We do have some ideas, but if anyone, like, wants to give us suggestions of, like, categories or even just shows that you would like to suggest. Right, of pilots you want us to watch. Yeah, we have our email and, and Twitter and Instagram you can reach us at. Um, let us know what your favorite Freeform show is, or ABC Family, because we refuse to call it Freeform. Yeah, Freeform is, like, one of the stupidest names I've ever heard in my yes. life. I think that's it, unless you have anything else. Um, yeah, just in case you didn't listen to, um, our intro, we will be taking a week break next week, so there will not be an episode that comes out. We will be back in two weeks with our next episode, and Mm -hmm. yeah, we'll see you then. Bye. We would like to thank Joseph McDade for our intro music. He provides free music available for all kinds of creative use. The song that we used is called Sunrise Expedition, and you can find it and his other music on his website, josephmcdade.com. If you would like to reach us, you can email us at r3podcasts at gmail.com. That's R, the number three, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram by searching Research Rank Repeat.